welcome to For the Love of Dogs with Janice Wolf. Hey there, folks. I can't believe it. It is Friday. You know, it's been crazy out here. And I, I, today we're going to go into some, uh, some kind of dog health things because people don't realize because if the dog seems okay or they say, oh, the dog threw up a few times or the dog's got diarrhea, you know, and you, you kind of take care of it, you feed them rice and, yeah, okay, they're fine. But there are so many things going around now. There are parasites and there's giardia and there's all kinds of like crazy tick-borne diseases and the weather has been crazy. So, you know, what we have to start looking at is, I always tell people, look at your animal clinically. And this goes with any animal, whether it's a horse or a dog or a cat or a, you know, chicken. If you, I know this sounds crazy, but, and you might see some people that you don't like, you might see their faces when you look at this, but poop is very important for an animal. So if you say, oh, my dog's poop, it's not really formed right. Sometimes, you know, even your veterinarian will say, oh, you got to give him more fiber. Yes, but no, because your dog could have colitis, could have gastroenteritis, could have a little pancreatitis, could have a whole bunch of itises. There can be, you know, something in your soil, something in your yard, something in your house, a cleaning product, so, so many different things. And it really is important for you to know why the dog's tummy is not, like, doing well, okay? So, for instance, a dog who throws up, throws up bile, usually in the morning, eh, you know, you can you can talk to your vet, but uh, I recommend, and a lot of veterinarians recommend, like Pepsid AC, depending on the size of the dog, you know, an average size large dog, you know, throw Pepsid. Hey, the dog isn't throwing up anymore. Well, he might have a little behavioral issue because he's getting a little anxious in the morning because he knows his day is going to start. He's got to go off to work. But... What do you do when you have a dog who's throwing up and he throws up a couple of times, his, maybe his appetite's not great, he's got some diarrhea, and you try to treat it at home? Do you know that in one day, in 24 hours, if your dog vomits, and especially if he has diarrhea a couple times, he can be almost instantly dehydrated, no matter how much they drink, because Everything going through the colon and the small intestine, large intestine, colon, um, is is absorbed into the body, right? So if they're getting rid of the liquids by having bad diarrhea, then they're not absorbing the liquids. Think about it. The, the, the stomach is where all the food is digested. It's broken down in the stomach. It's not absorbed in the stomach. It's only broken down in the stomach. Then it goes through the small intestine. It gets processed, and, yeah, there's acid in the stomach. It's alkaline in the intestines, the whole chemical thing going on. But the point being that the dog is absorbing its nutrients in the intestines, and in in mostly in the large but also small intestines. So it's absorbing the, the nutrients and the liquid it doesn't get absorbed until it gets into past the stomach, right? Because the stomach doesn't absorb it. It's like a stomach is like a cauldron, basically, and it heats it up and it stirs it up and it mushes it up and it breaks it down. And then it starts going through the small, you know, the duodenum, the small intestine, the large intestine. So if your dog has diarrhea, he is literally getting rid of all that liquid without it coming into the body and they can get dehydrated very easily. So, even 24 hours, in 24 hours, your dog can be 
become dehydrated. So if you notice, and, and here's the problem, those of you who have a yard, you let the dog out, goes to the bathroom. You don't know if he's got diarrhea. You don't know what he's doing out there. you got to be really careful. You apartment people or, you know, townhouse people who don't have a yard, if the dog has diarrhea, you know it because you're there. So I tell everybody, make sure at least once a day, and usually if you know, like, oh, he goes out and he poops, at least go out and keep a half an eye and just check your yard. Make sure that the dog doesn't have diarrhea. And you don't have to do it, you know, constantly, but you should do it. I mean, why not check it every day? Um, if the dog tends to have a loose belly, um, yes, there are definitely supplements and probiotics, and there are a lot of really good products out there for that. But the key is make sure that you know what's going in and you know what's coming back out. Um, also, urine, um, that's a big thing. So what I tell people to do, and you can think this is nuts, but it works great, buy yourself a pack of pee pads, like just cheap, real cheap pee pads. When your dog goes to the bathroom outside, whether it's pee or poop, flip the, a piece of it. You don't even have to use the whole thing. Cut them in quarters or whatever and flip it upside down on the pile of poop or on the uh, little area of pee. Okay? Now, what you're going to do, you're going to flip it upside down and just step on it. Okay? Now, you're not going to get it on you because you have the blue side up and the absorbent side down to the ground. Just pick it up by a corner and look at it. I know it sounds really gross. It could save your dog's life. It will save your dog's life someday. If you see the urine has a blood tinge to it or is brownish, and again, you know, forget about the pieces of dirt and stuff in it, but you'll be able to see pretty easily if there's anything there that is bloody or the wrong color. Um, also, you'll notice you want to keep an eye to make sure that the urine is concentrated enough. So if it's, let's say, in the morning and the dog urinates and it's very pale like, you know, like water, that's not normal because that means that the dog's body, kidneys, are not absorbing and processing enough of the waste products. So that might mean that he's got some, you know, kidney issues. Um, if there's blood in it or if there's a little brownish, it can mean that the dog might be bleeding internally or might have an infection or a urinary tract infection. So there's a lot you can tell by that. I tell people to do it, and every so often somebody says, hey, Janice, that was absolutely incredible. You saved my dog's life. I didn't know my dog was bleeding. Um, that happens a fair amount, especially this time of year, especially smaller female dogs. But lately I've been seeing, and even last year because it was so wet out, I'm seeing a lot of also large breed, really large breed males uh, who are getting urinary tract and bladder infections. So if you flip the, the feces over, if you flip it over and you see, oh, wow, you know, that looks kind of really dark, like a blackish. If blackish is not good because that means it's further up the digestive tract, it's further up into the intestines, uh, could even be the stomach. When it's all the way up there, the blood will be processed out and look black. If you see actual blood color, that's usually closer to the end of the digestive tract, meaning like the large intestine or potentially the end of the small intestine. So all of these things are really, really important 
Because if your dog has something, and especially if your dog's ever been diagnosed with Lyme or if he has Lyme and you don't notice, these are some of the things that you might notice um, that the dog might have issues with. So it is really important to check things out. And as I was joking with one of my friends uh, last night, I said, you know, poop is important. Not only, I mean, you think we joke about it. Wow, it's important to poop. Yes, it's important to poop. But it's also, remember when we were little kids and we did in elementary school the owl pellets where it was basically owl poop? And you'd say like, oh, my God, there's a little tiny little bat in there. There's, you know, look at the seeds. Look at the bird's, you know, leg. You could tell what the owl ate by what was being processed and excreted as fecal matter, these little poop pellets. Um, So it is really important. And you are what you eat, and you are what you eat, eat. So if you eat something or your dog eats something that's not good, or if he he's eating your child's crayons, which are non-toxic typically, but still not good. If he's eating a crayon, you're going to see the crayon in his poop. If he's eating, you know, plastic bag, you're going to see the plastic bag in his poop. Make sure, especially if you have a, a service like I do, who comes to your house and cleans up and gets rid of all the poop. Make sure you tell whoever it is who comes. If you know, if you see any diarrhea, if you see anything that looks like it was in the poop, please tell me, because that is super important. Um, it, it also is what the other things that are really important are if your dog, who normally doesn't shed a lot, is all of a sudden shedding a lot, and it's not just weather related. Sometimes certain diseases can cause you know the hair to thin. Um, different different conditions can cause different health issues and concerns in different dogs. So it is super, super important to check that out. And then I wanted to go into something else kind of tied to that. When you're going to your veterinarian, um, it is super expensive to have an animal. Uh, That's why I have best pet insurance, I think, the best pet insurance in the world. Um, I have used it a lot. I think Wisp is over 120,000 now. She's in the hospital again, my little baby girl. But it is wonderful when the veterinarian says, hey, she needs a $3,000 test and it's going to be a $7,000 estimate that I can say, okay, yeah, do it because it only costs me $700. So you are able to get better health care for your dog because you don't have to worry about what things cost. Now, why do things cost a lot? That's something that I really want to go into. When you go to a doctor and you have health insurance, and you get a bill for seven or $8,000. You don't think anything of it because, you know, you have a small copay or, you know, it, it's paid. Maybe it's paid all of it or most of it. So you don't really realize it. But with dogs, if you don't have health insurance for your dog, you, it's cheaper. It's much less expensive for a Yorkie to get an MRI than a Great Dane to get an MRI than a 300-pound adult to get an MRI because it's in slices. So the more slices, the longer it takes, the more work it is, the more wear and tear on the machine. So, yes, certain things are more expensive. But if you have pet health insurance, and I would really get a good one, don't say, well, this one's only $38 a month and that one's, you know, 53 Well, the $53 one doesn't have a limitation and you get 90% back, and the $38 one 
it has a $3,000 lifetime cap. Well, I mean, I don't know about you, but if I need insurance, it's not because I have a $2,000 vet bill. It's because I'm going to have $100,000 of vet bills. So there are a lot of really great companies. Uh, Let me rephrase that. There are several really great companies. There are a lot of other companies. And there's new ones popping up all the time as well. But get yourself a good health insurance coverage for your dog so that if your dog has a problem and get, you know, a, a deductible that you can, you know, actually, you know, not be like still broken. And like we talked about last week, save up 50 or or $100 a month if you can. So if you want to do like a $500 deductible, then save up, you know, $100 a month for five months. There's your, your $500. Put it in a little slush fund. This way, if your dog needs a $5,000 surgery, you have, you know, $500 saved up. There's your deductible. And then you can have, you know, it's $500 for the your part of the $5,000. So, you know, it's really great to have the reassurance and the comfort of knowing that, you know, this is, something that you can, um, you know, can plan for and can budget for. So it's, it's a really great idea. So what do you want to look for? Let's talk about a dog right now who seems perfectly healthy. Maybe he gets a lot of ear infections or he seems perfectly healthy, but he's chewing on his legs. There are actually foods that can cause those reactions. One of them is wheat. So I talk about it all the time, corn, wheat. Soy, BHA, BHT byproducts, propylene glycol. There's a lot of stuff out there that, you know, your dog can can eat that's in, you know, their food that is really not good for your dog. I mean, don't think that just because, you know, Purina or, or Science Diet or whatever is expensive. Um, and, you know, don't think that that's a great brand because you, you've heard of it. I mean, I've heard of Jeffrey Dahmer. I don't think that's like really good character reference. I mean... You know, I've I've heard of some really evil people. Um, doesn't mean that it's good. It's just that you've heard of it. Check into some of the different brands that don't have corn, wheat, or soy, especially wheat. Wheat can cause allergies. It's actually the number one cause of food-related allergies in dogs. It is incredibly dangerous for some dogs because, and not dangerous that it's going to kill them necessarily, but dangerous in that it can cause a weakening of the immune system, and once a dog has allergies, their entire immune system can become more compromised. So it does set them up. If they've got a weak immune system, it can set them up to be more likely to get things that they could normally fight off by themselves. So what could that be? Well, let's say dogs have, you know, there's kennel cough going around. A dog who has a really strong immune system might not be impacted at all or very little, um, where a dog with a compromised immune system might have a lot of problems and might get very sick or, you know, even worse. But what we want to look at is, uh, and this is sounds good, you know, we, we always joke about, you know, like the, the dog's nose should be cold and wet. Some breeds will never have a cold, wet nose because the brachiocephalics, like bulldogs and stuff, because just the way they breathe, uh, they typically don't have cold, wet noses. But a cold, wet nose also means the dog is hydrated properly. Again, it doesn't mean that if you don't have the cold, wet nose that it's that it is hydrated uh, or not. But it just it's a sign, right? 
You want to make sure the eyes look bright. You don't see any spots in the eyes. Um, you want to make sure that the dog doesn't have a funny smell to him because sometimes a dog who has kidney issues, uh, kidney disease, will have kind of a weird smell coming out of their nose and mouth, especially the nose, and it's all the uh, chemicals and the uh, the bad stuff coming out that's, you know, the harmful byproducts that's coming out. And when kidneys are diseased or getting diseased, they have a very strange odor. I can't even describe it to you. It just smells like something crawled up there and died. Um, so we want to be careful about that. You want to make sure that if your dog has ear infections, that you're not only keeping the ears clean, but there are things that you can get called cytopoints or there are uh, other things like Apoquil and other things. And again, you check with your veterinarian on all of the things I'm telling you, but unfortunately I have altogether too much experience with all of this stuff. So some breeds um, are not able to take like an Apoquil. Uh, the Cytopoint, I have most of our dogs, um, when they get allergies, will get the Cytopoint. What's interesting about that is it works systemically for about six to eight weeks. So it's like you or your you know, your kids might go for an allergy shot. Well, it's kind of like doggy allergy shots, but it'll help a lot. Uh, but you still have to keep the ears clean. You still have to keep the paws clean. Sometimes the dogs will chew on their toenails. So like I breed Grand Champion, Best in Show, Rhodesian Ridgeback. So if you have Rhodesian Ridgeback who, you know, is chewing on its toenails, well, that's kind of normal. It's like they chew on their toenails. That's just kind of like what they do. But if your dog doesn't normally do that and he starts doing it, he could have a weed allergy. If your dog has kind of blackish skin and then it gets kind of almost puckered blackish skin on their belly, especially, that can be from a gluten allergy or other allergies. So there are so many different things that can can happen. One of the things with a lot of labs and goldens who get thyroid issues, if you see the pattern of hair loss on their noses, um, it's like a triangle going with the peak, the point of the triangle facing towards the eyes, and you can see the hair starting to kind of whittle away, dissipate, um, and eventually disappear on that end of the nose in this, like, funky triangular pattern, especially if your dog has a weight issue on top of it. If your dog has very dry, coarse hair and it's not supposed to, not like a Cairn Terrier or something um, that's supposed to have that hair, but if it's a dog who is supposed to have a silky coat um, and it has a very hard, harsh coat, that can all be signs of like thyroid issues or other things too, even Addison. So there are a lot of things that, you know, you go to the doctor, you know, to the vet, and I hear it all the time. People say, oh, they just want you to come in every six months or a year so they can make money. No, that's not why. The reason they want you to come in and get blood work is your dog can look totally perfectly fine. Listen, my Savannah was the healthiest dog you ever saw in your life. She traveled with me. She went up to my goddaughter's wedding with me up in New Upper New York State. Um, and when I was at, um, you know, at Rachel's uh, um, wedding with Savannah, she was totally fine. Three weeks later, she was dead. Not not my goddaughter, thankfully. No, I mean the, the dog. My Savannah was was gone. And I took her in. I mean, she was acting fine, and she had something called hemangiosarcoma. She got that, and she was pretty young. Um, she got that most likely because of all of her exposure 
to um, the chemicals and the toxins and carcinogens at all the firehouses because she was one of my cancer and disease detection dogs. She was exposed to all those toxins in the same way the firefighters were exposed to all those toxins and chemicals. So was she. So she was totally fine. And then one day, she just was acting a little funky. I brought her into the vet, and the vet said she's full of blood. She had what we call a hemoabdomen. She had a hemoabdomen because the hemangiosarcoma was leaking blood into her abdominal cavity. I mean, this is really scary stuff. Now, she, I take my dog to the vet constantly. I'm a little bit too much, maybe. But if you're a vet, especially when your dog gets older, take your dog to another vet appointment. Let them run blood. Save up for it. You know, or get a wellness plan. But it is so important to run blood work and get a urinalysis and a fecal because, you know, not just for fecal do you get, you know, you can check to see if there's any parasites. You can also check to see if there's any blood. Kind of like a colon cancer screening. And same thing with the urinalysis. They'll check to see if there's infection, if there's blood, if there's, you know, chemicals or anything that should be there uh, or shouldn't be there. And then getting, you know, just a, a good listen in to make sure the dog doesn't have a heart murmur. He doesn't have ear infections. He doesn't have any skin issues or allergies or anything. You know, twice a year, I think everybody, instead of going once a year to your vet, I think everybody should go twice a year. I mean, maybe not if you have a really young dog, but once your dog is, you know, six or seven, yeah, you should probably, and, and you should get a good baseline, chest x-rays, the radiographs are not a bad idea, but at least get baseline blood work and baseline on things so that you know if, you know, the child, or, you know, if you were a child, you would know, like, what your child's basic makeup was, well, this is with the dog. And with the dog, excuse me, uh, with the dog, you have to be able to make sure that what's inside matches what's outside. So a lot of times, you know, your dog is stoic, especially like I have the Rhodesian Ridgebacks. They're extremely stoic, and I mean stoic. Um, They can walk around. I saw Fallon, you know, this is 15 years ago or more, probably 20 years ago, I had my Fallon, and she broke her leg and was still running around in the yard. She just put her leg up under her like like it was a retractable um, piece on a table or something, like a fold-out table. She just put her leg up under her body, and she kept running. And I'm like, oh, you're fine. And then she's, she couldn't walk on it. She had a broken leg. She's very stoic. Some dogs are very stoic. Some are very, like, ninny-ish. Um, some of them just are, you know, a little bit more, um, you know, stoic than others. And so it is really important, again, to make sure that you do get a good baseline on your dog. And especially with all the new dog owners out there, yes, you don't want to be neurotic, but if you notice something on your dog, and this is what I tell people, and this is, I think, a really good way to think, if you think there's something wrong. Like, you know, it's the old adage about if you think your husband is cheating or you think your wife is cheating, they probably are, unless you're neurotic. Because if you say, wow, honey, don't you think he's kind of slowed down? I wonder if we should take him to the vet. Your answer, you've already said, yes, you should take him to the vet. The reason we should be taking our animals to the vet before they have 
serious issues is it's easier to correct when it's, when it's uh, you know, it's every six months. You know, just imagine if you, God forbid, had cancer and you didn't know that and you go and you check every six months and you go to the doctor, you know the cancer is not going to be more than six months old. Same thing with your dog. And listen, you know, with all the crazy things out there that dogs can get and, and kids can get too, you know, and in the midst of COVID, we really should be extra careful and extra vigilant to make sure that the dogs that we have at home are being cared for properly. Now, one of the things that I recommend is not just good, really good quality food, but it's also is a really high quality vitamin supplement. So everybody always asks me, oh, Janice, what do you use? You know, you have all those dogs and all those service dogs and all the, what do you use? And I use a product called NuVet. It's N-U-V-E-T. It's NuVet.com. N-U-Vet, NuVet. Um, they have the NuVet Plus uh, canine wafers. And then if you have an older dog or a dog who has either CCL, you know, patella subluxation, um, if you have um, a dog who's getting a little older, if you have a dog who has joint issues, there's a, also something called New Joint. And they also make the best shampoos. Um, I use these shampoos on my dogs, and they're so natural and they're so good. And I never have a reaction. They don't hate it. Doesn't burn their eyes. It's, it's good stuff. So if you want to order that, you contact the company, um, NuVet.com. I think the uh, I think the phone number is eight hundred four seven four. 7044. I believe that's it, 800-474-7044. And you actually need a code to order it. You have to either buy it through your vet, through your breeder. So if if you bought a puppy, even if it's, you know, um, a mutt puppy, like, you know, like a $6,000 Bernese Mountain Dog mixed with a poodle, but if the person there uh, recommends the new vet, um, I have more respect for them because... The NuVet vitamins are really phenomenal. Um, I'll give you the code. It's like an, a discount code. You get 15% off for the auto ship, which is what I do. So God knows I never want to run out of vitamins because I have so many dogs. But the code is 86686. So it's NuVet.com, N-U-V-E-T, NuVet.com, 86686. And um, I give one for every 25 pounds of body weight. And then the new joint, um, they, I don't have to use that with any of mine because mine are, mine are really the breeding is so good. No, everybody's got excellent hips and I don't have problems. But um, the new joint is a really good product. Um, and you can give it in, you know, in tandem with if you're giving Cosequin or anything else. But it is a phenomenal, phenomenal product. Um, so anyway, the NuVet is really terrific. And, um, you know, for the um, main idea is just being proactive with your animal. Don't say like, oh, yeah, well, you know, he'll be okay. Because he may not. And especially if they get like Giardia, Giardia, a dog in 24 hours can go from totally fine to literally dehydrated and dying. Um, I know somebody who had a Rhodesian Ridgeback, and she, um, you know, she's she's uh, she's okay. I mean, I don't know if I'd sell her a dog, but um, but she, you know, loved the dog and everything. And 
she said the dog was uh, had diarrhea and it was vomiting, and so she gave it rice. And I was like, you know, you should really take the dog to the vet. And she's like, oh, you know, it, it's fine, you know, because she knew everything, right? She knew everything. And so she didn't take the dog to the vet. And the next day she calls me and she says he's, you know, pooping diarrhea that's um, got blood in it. And I'm like, yeah, he probably has Giardia. You should have taken him yesterday. She took him in. They threw him on fluids. They tried to help him. They couldn't even get a vein. He was so dehydrated. And the dog died. It was a four-year-old, very healthy dog otherwise. So don't hem and haw about it. That's why if you have an animal, get the dog health insurance. Like I said, I use Trupanion. I love it. Uh, but you got to just check and, you know, get what you can afford. The, the higher the deductible, the lower the premium. So, you know, if, if you say, oh, I can afford $500, then good. Then, then get a $500 deductible. But, you know, it's for catastrophic issues. And the, the thing is just, you know, I don't care what policy you get. Just make sure it's a good one and that there's not a million exclusions and all that because it could save your dog's life. And if you think about what normally happens when, um, you know, you, you say to yourself, oh, okay, you know, I'm going to take my dog into the vet. Well, if you take your dog into the vet and you have the health insurance, you're not going, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, every time they say something. You can get your dog the best of the best of the best of vet care, and you don't have to worry about, you know, if what happens if the dog needs an MRI or a CT or, a, you know, a big expensive test. It doesn't matter because you have the insurance and you're only paying, well, if it's trepanion, you're only paying 10% of it. So get yourself good pet health insurance. Be more proactive, especially in the spring and in the wet weather. A lot of dogs are getting Giardia. There's so much out there now. Oh, while I'm on this subject, please don't go to dog parks. Please don't go to a lot of places where there are a million dogs. And please don't let your dog sniff every single dog. Because that's how dogs pass on kennel cough, which is Bordetella. And there's also been uh, a lot of other types of upper respiratory. And also, like, think about the dogs pee and poop, right, in the, in the dog park or wherever the dogs are going. So they pee and poop in it. And if somebody cleans up, great. If not, that's great, too. It becomes part of the soil. But then your dog steps in it or you step in it, you go back to your house, your dog licks his feet to clean himself, and now your dog has whatever crap was in the dog park. It's kind of the same thing as people who have cats. I'm not a cat person. One main reason, well, I'm allergic, but one main reason is I don't like things that are going to be going from their litter box with pee and poop all over their feet, and they're going to go jump on my counters and walk around on my counters where I'm preparing food Heck no, I'd rather have mice. So, you know, I mean, cats can be lovely, and I love the Bengals and the Abyssinians. My friends Guy and Louise have two Abyssinians that are really cool. Um, my friend Melanie and my other friend Diane um, from Aruba, they both have Bengals. They are wonderful animals, but I don't like things that are going to go up on my counter. That just grosses me out completely. Um, so, you know... For a dog, if your dog is going, you know, into the dog park or into this area that's frequented by a lot of dogs, and that includes doggy hotels, dog daycares, I get it that you take your dogs there, but 
a lot of people say, oh, you know, Janice, it's so great. You know, they have cageless boarding. And I'm like, you know what cageless boarding is? They didn't have enough money to buy fancy suites, so they just have all the dogs running around. And that's not really a great thing because the dogs that want to have a little time off and don't want to be bothered by other dogs, they don't have a place of their own. They don't have a bedroom. It's like you working, sleeping, eating, drinking, and having your office in your living room, and you never get to get, get, to get away from it. So if you're taking your dog to doggy daycare, that's fine, but make sure that it's a super clean place because if they have a problem, you know, and you have dogs going in and out, in and out all the time, they, your dog can pick up things and you won't even know it and your dog will be really sick and he can get Bordetella, he can get, you know, there's so many other uh, types of upper respiratory um, infections that they can get, plus they can get protozoal, bacterial, even viral things they can pick up from the sand, the dirt, the, the toys, the water fountain and all that. So there's your medical end of the for the love of dog. And we're going to take a quick break. And then after the break, we're going to return with from shelter dog to service dog. So you stay tuned. We'll be right back. And here we are from shelter dog to service dog. And we're going to talk about some great shelter dogs and how you can choose a good shelter dog. One of the things that people tend to forget um, when they're trying to adopt a dog is don't go by the cute factor. Honestly, I've never seen a puppy that's not cute. I've seen some pretty ugly children, but I've not seen a puppy that's not cute. So look at the temperament. And also, when you're trying to get a puppy, imagine what it's going to look like when it's older. So the problem is, most of the time, the rescues and shelters have zero clue of what kind of dog it is. So they look and they go, oh, look, it's black and white, so it's a lab mix. Well, no, there's a lot of other dogs that can come in the color black, okay? Um, And if a dog is solid black... It, believe it or not, it's purebred. Every black mixed breed animal has a hair or two or patch of white. It's just what happens when the white is diluted, which is why um, sometimes you'll see a dog that's supposedly a purebred Labrador retriever that's black, and they got it, you know, sold as a pet or they adopted it from a shelter, and they go, but it looks like a lab, right? But the white hair means that the dog is not purebred because the white is kind of a byproduct of the mix of those breeds. But if you see like something that looks like a pit bull and you want a pit bull, those are pretty easy because they have big jaw. They have, But there are a lot of dogs, and especially during developmental stages, who start out with not such a big, wide underjaw, and it grows. Dogs grow in a different rate. So when I look at one of my Rhodesian Ridgeback puppies who's a couple days old and I see a really wide head, that's what I'm going to have when it's an adult. But if it has a very narrow head, it doesn't mean that that narrow head isn't going to widen out. Of course it is. So when you see a dog and you're going only by the color of the dog, uh, like people will say, oh, yeah, it's a husky mix because it's got one blue eye and one brown eye. There's like six different breeds of dogs. There's Australian cattle dogs. There's Shetland Sheepdogs, there's um, Australian Shepherds, 
there are, oh my gosh, like you could get a Weimaraner mix that's got funky kind of bluish eyes. Um, there are so many different kind of exotic dogs as well. So it doesn't mean that it's a husky just because it has a blue eye or two blue eyes. Um, I've seen, and especially with the merle coloring, which is kind of that blotchy pattern, it's very pretty, um, but cattle dogs have that blotchy pattern. So a merle dog is going to have potentially the blue or that greenish blue eye to it. So if you're looking for something and you say, oh, I really want something that's really calm, you know, and God knows, if, you know, you, you have a baby and it's the best baby in the world and it turns into a lunatic when it's older or a crazy teenager, there's no guarantee there. But you can't look at one trait and say, oh, I want it because of that. It really needs to be that you uh, want that temperament because you're living with the temperament, really, after all. So, yes, you want a dog that you think is beautiful, but, you know, you're going to think your dog is beautiful like you think your children are beautiful. Whether they are or not, they're beautiful to you, and that's all that matters because if they're, they're, they're good, they're kind, they're, you know, beautiful inside, they become beautiful outside. Same thing with a dog. So... Stop looking at like, oh, look how cute he is. And realize that the size of a dog's foot, you may go, oh, look how big his paws are. He's going to be giant. No. You ever see a basset hound's foot? Take a look at a basset hound's foot. Those suckers are the size of almost the Great Dane foot. I mean, they have big feet. They have bigger feet than a ridgeback. And a ridgeback is definitely a lot taller than a than a. Uh, Basset hound, but what does that mean when you go and you try to get um, a dog and you're going to, like, especially if you're going to get one that you're going to try to train to be a service dog, what does that mean? Well, look at yourself and look at your family members and look at your friends and look at the size of your wrists, okay? So if you have, like, I have really tiny wrists, and I'm a tiny person, but I've seen people who have very tiny wrists, but they're very tall. So the, the size of the wrist, the size of the feet, doesn't have any direct correlation to the height of the dog, but more the bone structure of the dog. So a basset hound has very thick bones and very big feet and kind of some funky angles to them. So if you looked at a paw print of a basset hound and somebody said, well, how big do you think my dog is? you'd probably say, oh, God, that's got to be a 100-pound dog. It's got to be a big dog. No, because it's the bone structure. So basset hounds have a very big, husky, heavy bone structure. But then look at something like a shih tzu. And a shih tzu can be almost the size, the height of a basset hound, but it's got tiny bone structure. Look at, a, look at the best one, an Italian greyhound. Look at an Italian greyhound or a regular greyhound. And then look at a basset hound. So you say, oh, the Italian greyhound is, you know, is a few inches taller than the basset hound, but they have tiny little chicken legs where the basset hound has these massive, like, Rottweiler legs and feet. So that's where I want people to start looking and making sense with your head instead of falling in love with just your eyes. Now, granted, yes, you do want the dog to be pretty. Like you want to look at your your spouse or your significant other and say, oh, you're so beautiful. Or you're so handsome. You don't want to look and go, oh, my God, you know. Um, but 
they're going to be beautiful because you're with them. And you're, they're going to be beautiful because of how they make you feel and how they share in your lives. And that's the most important thing. One of the important parts is also the type of hair. If a puppy has very dense, thick hair, even though it's kind of short, that hair can definitely grow. So you may wind up with more of a Newfoundland coat, like that thick, dense hair. You might wind up with a husky coat, which is a thick, dense, shorter hair. You may wind up with um, something more like a boxer that has, you know, a short coat, but it's, it falls out a lot, the same as, uh, you know, like a Dalmatian. So you can't really tell that. But what you do is also you can look if your dog came with siblings, look at the siblings, at least you'll have a better idea what the mother looks like. And for goodness sake, if you are uh, looking at a dog and you say, well, oh, the this, this sister is a German Shepherd Rottweiler, and that, that's what my dog is. No, what was the mother? She was a German Shepherd. Okay, so your dog is half German Shepherd, and you don't know if it's the same father because dogs have a compound uterus, which means that they can become impregnated by multiple males uh, with with humans, it's totally different. Once the the sperm cell reaches the egg, the uh, egg produces or or causes to be produced. Um, I won't get into all the chemical part, but just so that you know, um, a chemical in the body that prevents another sperm from getting in. So a dog does not have that. So a dog, a female dog, can breed to three or four different fathers. I mean, if if you let her. Uh, she could breed to several different fathers, and if they're puppies in the same litter who are from literally born the same day, the same litter, can have different fathers. Obviously not different mothers, but they can have different fathers. So you have to think about that part, too. So the DNAs are pretty good. That's a whole other thing unto itself. There are some very good ones, but the key is pick a dog that, you know, seems to be well-behaved, and that doesn't mean that it's trained, just well-behaved. The dog isn't trying to scratch and jump and be terrible. Now, granted, that is a normal, you know, puppy behavior, but you don't want to take the puppy that's all the way in the back that nobody's paying attention to. I see that all the time. My, my clients will call me and they'll say, oh, I picked this dog. He was, I felt so bad for him because all the others were picking on him. They were making him you know, go away, and they wouldn't play with him. And it's like, yeah, that's because he was such a scutch. Nobody liked him because it was a jerk. That's why the dog was by himself, not because he was, you know, they randomly didn't like him. It's, it's because he was driving everyone crazy. So you don't want that dog. You ideally want to pick a puppy that's the middle of the road in intelligence and, and in birth order. So if there are six puppies, try to get number, you know, maybe three, four. Don't, you know, necessarily take number one or number six because those are going to tend to be the ones, not that it's always, but they're going to tend to be the ones with more issues. It's just the way it goes. So, yeah, I wanted to get into that, and I wanted to get into a little bit about a good way to start your dog, whether it's therapy dog or service dog, a good way for you to be able to start getting your dog familiar with different items and objects and all I was just talking to a lovely young lady uh, from Jersey today who wants me to train her 
uh, Bernie's Mountain Dog Poodle Mix to uh, be her service dog. Well, she said the dog is very calm and chill in the house, but when he's out in public, he jumps on everything. He's trying to jump on the counter. He's jumping on people. He's doing all that. Can I train him? So right there, that's telling me that this is probably a good dog. However, the fact that the dog is misbehaving out in public means that they haven't set the rules and boundaries um, yet for, um, you know, for, uh, for the dog um, to know that you're not allowed to jump on us at home either. People tend not to even notice, especially with little dogs, when they jump on you. I don't get it. I'll walk into a house and I don't want to feel footprints on my leg. I don't want to feel the footprints on my calf muscle. I don't want to feel them on my knee. I don't want to feel them on my my hip. I don't want to feel them at all. I don't want a dog jumping on me. It's just not okay. So the fact that somebody's dog is jumping on people and trying to get food is not a portender of a great potential service dog. But I don't know until I actually see the dog and meet the dog and hopefully the dog is one of a hundred that, that, you know, one in a hundred that can actually make it. For a service dog, important is obviously health. The dog has to be healthy. The dog has to be able to, you know, function well because if the dog isn't healthy or it's got a, you know, broken something or it's dislocated or it's got hip dysplasia or, you know, even things like you're not keeping the toenails short enough that can impact a dog over the course of time. And the last thing we want to do is have a dog who we're going to put all this time and money into, and then the dog isn't going to pan out because it's got poor confirmation or it's got, you know, health issues or it's got, you know, physiological issues or something going on or it's scared or too dominant or whatever. There are so many different aspects to this. And that's really, you know, something to keep in mind. So when you're looking for a dog, the key is, first of all, look for a dog that has the right temperament. Second of all, look for the dog that's approximately the size you hope it's going to be. And again, don't look at the size of the paws and think that that's going to be how tall the dog is. That's simply going to be what the bone structure of the dog is. So that's going to be important for you because don't choose, if you live in an apartment complex that only allows dogs under 20 pounds, don't pick the puppy that's, you know, 20 pounds, that's two and a half months old, because it's going to get way bigger than 20 pounds. So be smart and be wise and be prudent not to go to dog parks. Make sure that you're not setting your dog up to fail. Um, And if the dog is jumping, you're going to correct it with the shush and the poke and then look away and just ignore the dog. We'll go look at anything else but that dog. And if you can't help taking care of, you know, and, and actually uh, making this work and putting this into practice, you know, you can always throw the dog on a leash if you want. Um, leash work is always super health, healthy and hand, handy. Um, and you can also get yourself, for the dog, a little doggy backpack. I've talked about this ad nauseum, but a doggy backpack is really cool, and I'll tell you why. Not only can it carry its own water, not only can it carry your keys or poop bags, but it's also something that that little extra bit of weight uh, on the dog 
with that little bit of um, contact between the vest and the, um, the dog, it actually puts the dog into work mode. So if you throw a gentle leader and a vest on and you're training a dog, your dog is going to do much better because it's going to realize that, the, oh, the gentle leader and the vest mean I have to be good. So if you're working with somebody or, you know, somebody comes over to your house and, you know, you the dog isn't typically good with, with strangers, you can put the dog on a gentle leader and throw his little doggy backpack on and he's going to go into pack mule mode. So then instead of having to worry about, you know, your friend getting bitten or, you know, getting a lawsuit or whatever, um, you're going to be able to get that dog used to that situation and that new person and you won't have the problems that you've been having. So it is super important for us always, always, always to choose a puppy or choose an adult dog that fits into our lifestyle. Don't choose with your eyes. Don't choose with your heart. Choose with your brain and check in with your heart because that's really all that matters. It shouldn't matter what color your dog is. It shouldn't matter how really within reason how old your dog is. It shouldn't matter how cute he is because he's he's a living, breathing animal that needs a home. And if you're kind enough to rescue, I'm grateful to you forever. Well, I can't believe it, but it is, again, time for us to get ready to go. Um, time just really flies. It's pretty wild. Um, I hope everybody has an absolutely wonderful, wonderful, healthy, happy weekend. I um, hope my wisp is okay. Put over a thousand miles on my uh, vehicle today, uh, this week, just getting dogs transported to vet visits and such. Um, make sure that you're proactive in your own care for your own dog and stay nice and healthy and happy. It's going to be kind of cold for the next few days. Make sure your dog is inside. Make sure you take care of yourself and have a wonderful weekend.